3: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See
4: website for details. And welcome back to the Wolverine Live. I'm John Borden here with Tom Crawford. You know him from uh, Sunday nights, his uh, Press Pass crew. You know him from his own podcasting company doing uh, some awesome takes in and around the Lansing area where he makes his home. And you also know him every week here, talking about Michigan football. We've been talking about Michigan football yeah. for nine solid sure. months without Michigan football, and here yeah. it is. you know, you know John. Um, you know how
3: football players say, "Yeah, they're tired of hitting their own guys and everything like that." You know, they they want they want to play somebody else. You know, I want I want to have a pop. I want to have a Wolverine live when we're talking about what happens between the lines in an actual game. And so next Tuesday at 5.30, I'm going to be in heaven. But I'm still super fired up about today because we're just a few days away from, from going down to Ann Arbor. See up there in the press box, and college football starts Thursday. I mean, it already started this weekend. I got fired up watching USC and San Jose State and hearing fight on. And I just got I'm, – I'm into college football. So this is – it's all good from now on, J.B.
4: Well, no reason why not. And a lot of things became real for me on Monday. Because yes. you had Tim standing up there and not, I mean, not talking about the game right away, talking about uh, revenue sharing for players. And uh, and we're, we're going to get into that a little bit, but also talking about his suspension, talking about the, I mean, we knew about the, the plan for the head coaches to uh, to come from the ranks of the assistants, but it all became very real mm-hmm. yesterday because you had Jesse Minter up there in front of that crowd of reporters saying about all, all of this meant and all that Jim Harbaugh means to this team and the way that he has ordered all these things and uh, how excited he was that Jesse Minter was going to be to be able to uh, direct this crew on a game day, put on the headset of the uh, the head football coach and get that experience and get that experience um, I guess that that exposure in in that position, and you also had Jim Harbaugh standing up there talking about, yeah, some people feel like this is uh, this is a slap on the wrist that I'm going to miss three game days, and he's yeah. talking about it. No, it's more like a, a baseball bat to the knees, and that <laughs> that made me think about it. It, it made it yeah. more real because yeah. you might be inclined to say, oh, you know, big deal. It's it's you know, it, it is just. Three game days against uh, lesser non-conference opponents. But when you hear heard Jim Harbaugh put it in his own words and what it would mean to miss those three, it, it hit home.
3: Yeah, I, re- I remember uh, 1984, Michigan-Michigan State game, the 19-7 to loss, and Harbaugh, Thomas Tyree speared him. Should have been illegal, but it wasn't at the time, and he's out for the season. And I remember him being carted off. I was sitting relatively low and the expression of his, he just looked horrified. I mm-hmm. mean, he's such a competitive guy. He was then he is now. And I loved you were there uh, at, or, uh, at, at at Townley yesterday. And, and I, I, I'm actually really getting into how Jim is approaching these issues, if you will, in college football. And that started four years ago, big 10 media days when he proclaimed about the, the you know, he, was the first to voice one-time transfer idea that ended up evolving into the transfer portal, all the good and bad with that. And, and the, the, the pluses and minuses and all the 1099s, you got all that stuff. And then he talks about revenue sharing. And, you know, I, I was, uh, I was old school on this, John, um, and have been for a long time. Oh, you know, especially as a, as a regular student going and, you know, paying the, the education, you know, out of pocket and, and the football players get it for free. They earned it. I tried, I said that then, and they earned. they earn a scholarship now, and they earn a lot more. Uh, in particular, when you got those executives and a couple of them I talked to at Big Ten Media Days from NBC, that my God, there's a lot of money to be made, and it needs to be shared. And I, I every time Harbaugh gets into this pulpit thing, I'm all over it. Bringing out his binder, that's when he's at his best. And so I, you know, as much as I've been critical on and off, and 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 then praised Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I'm I'm giving him a huge bravo how he handled that yesterday.
4: Yeah, you know, I'm 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 hearing him and I'm hearing some of Lloyd Carr in him because yeah. Lloyd was always an advocate for players getting more than than uh just the the basic education. And I I always you know, I I struggled with that early on because you know, having known Bo Schembeckler like I did and having it you know, you hear it about, you get the grant aid and you get the, you get the uh, Michigan education and that's what you get. And you come here and you better yourself <laughs> and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, I do completely understand what Jim Harbaugh is talking about because uh, the the millions and in some cases the billions he's talking about with with all the TV money and all of this. But I, I still have my worries about how all this, how this is going to affect players and motivations and and all the things surrounding college football? I didn't think it was the time and the place yesterday, but had I asked him a question, it would have been, "What do you do then when uh, when you put this through and it's just for football players?" And all of a sudden you've got uh, 28 or 30 other sports at any given school saying, wait a minute, wait, whoa, what about us? Why aren't we getting revenue sharing? And, I mean, the the obvious answer is because you are not bringing in those TV contracts. Hello, exactly. But, but I, I'm not convinced at all that you will get a, a court that will go along with you or that you might not get a court that says – no, no, if you're going to, if you're going to give them out, you gotta, you gotta do it for everybody. Well, you know, it's like the court
3: and uh, you know, when this comes to fruition, so uh, what he's talking about, I see just like in 2019 to 20, like four years away, you know, when that contract and CFP goes, uh, you know, it gets torn up in 2025, when the NCA goes down the tubes in a couple of years, when I'm projecting, that's when this stuff is going to happen. And you're going to have your power schools are going to have this kind of structure. And ability to to revenue share yeah you know because they're they're making so much freaking money i mean john i mean i go back to 1997 i remember at the i was at the final four in indianapolis at the old rca dome and i looked over and i saw all these guys in suits right sitting between Mm -hmm. you know right behind the benches they had all the great seats they were making all the money and it was the players that were making the money for them that was almost like this visual metaphor this was in 1997 you know that this is a long one. Arizona beat Kentucky, I, and and I was sitting. I, I, I it just dawned on me in that time, and that's when I started to really open my mind, and not a long time ago, a little bit more that these guys are mega money of uh, these guys and on the floor and all that other stuff. And you know, I, I I think the time is is right, and I we're at a really crossroads in intercollegiate athletics, and and I I just think Jim Harbaugh's pulpit is going to have as much impact as any.
4: Yeah, well, and I've heard some people say that maybe that's why the NCAA is going after him so hard. Exactly, exactly. Are tweaking the
3: NCAA? Yes, yes, you're right. (laughs) It's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be great for Wolverine Live at five thirty with John Borton and Tom Crawford. We are never gonna run out of content.
4: (laughs) What about the human element in this thing? I mean, for the issue that we just talked about, there were. Uh, Jesse Minter and Cam Good and some of these players that were uh, talking about all that uh, Jim Harbaugh has done to go to bet for the players and how yeah. they feel he has their back yes. without yes. question. There's a great loyalty there that comes through. And then you had Jim Harbaugh talking about, uh, hey, you, you can call this a slap on the wrist. You can call it whatever you want. This is tough. This yeah. is tough. Yeah. Talk about what what you think Jim Harbaugh will be feeling on Saturday when when his team runs out maybe his best team in the nine years that he's been head coach runs out on that field 110,000 people in the stands going crazy and uh, he is not leading them out there. Yeah,
3: yeah, the hay's in the barn. He's put the hay in the barn. He's done an incredible job with his team the last few years. Incredible job with his program. You know, here Rumlins, he might go watch his son jack's 10 year old son jack uh, Pop Warner football game I, I can't imagine that i mean his' it's, it's got it's gonna be a weird day and the same thing's gonna repeat itself the following saturday and the and the following saturday night with with bowling green then it's then it's over with at least for now but you know back to what you're comment about being a play you know the players coach thing um and you hear you i heard we heard it andy we you hear it all the week you know we hear it in post game about how you can get a feel for how Michigan football players feel about Jim Harbaugh and that entire staff. And that starts with Jim Harbaugh and the ultimate players coach when he's hitting these issues. I mean, think about it when he got, when he's recruiting now, I mean, when you go, he goes into a living room. I mean, he, he can stick his chest out and actually show evidence that so he is indeed a players coach, maybe than anybody else in college football. Cause I don't hear anybody else coming out and speaking on the players behalf. I hear Nick Saban, Kirby smart or anybody else. You know, talking about it, so um, maybe they will. Maybe they will chime in because this could be a huge recruiting advantage for Jim Harbaugh and Michigan moving forward as a "quote unquote" players' coach.
4: No question. But if they came in now, they'd be followers. I mean, Nick Saban. I yeah. could hear him asking for revenue sharing for the coaches, but uh, yeah, I, yeah. Exactly. I don't know about the players. And and yeah. plus it would be those who would argue Alabama has a has a pretty high payroll anyway. So uh, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's one of those deals where uh, Jim Harbaugh is a uh, trailblazer and a groundbreaker ba- in this area more and more, and he's not afraid to to go up there with his little uh, his little notebook and say, "Look, I'm going to tell you the way I see things and the way I think things ought to be, and uh, regardless of the consequences and regardless of who doesn't like it."
3: Yeah, and I do like what he's done with his staff. You know, uh, you know, as far as the assignments, uh, you know, giving out other opportunities or multiple opportunities, you know, for leadership on this team uh, in these these first three games, including Kirk Campbell calling the, calling the plays. I mean, yes. um, that's that's a big job. I mean, he was an analyst a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken. And and uh, granted, it's East Carolina, but there's a lot of there's a lot of focus on Michigan. Everything that they do is going to be under the microscope. I mean, you're going to get more P- potential bad PR for Michigan these next three games just because of the situation, the hardball, a lot of hardball haters, the schedule, which has obviously been a glaring issue, and, and then just the replacements and, and can they meet can they meet that expectation? So yeah, a lot of pressure, but um, I think once they, once the game, the whistle blows and this team is well-prepared. I can, You can tell this team is well-prepared and they want to hit somebody else and their own teammates.
4: Yeah, no question about it. And I will be the uh, one to take on more enemies at this point and say, I love the schedule. Uh, I love it from the standpoint that you are going to have, uh, you can easily do this situation with the coaches. You can have uh, Jesse Minter be your head coach the first week. You can have Jay Harbaugh in the in the uh, first half of the second game, and Mike Hart in the second half of the second game. You can have Sharon Moore head coach the third game. You can sustain some uh, camp injuries in the uh, le- among the safeties and other spots that we are going to talk about, and still have a a, a high level opportunity to know that you're going to win that first game. You can get a lot of players onto the field. You can get them grounded, all of which you can do without hurting yourself down the road, which that was a concern last year. And Michigan still had plenty of chance to prove itself against the uh, Penn States of the world and Michigan State and certainly Ohio State at Ohio State, Iowa on the road. I get it from the standpoint that uh, Yeah, but what about the fans? What about these games that they would love to see? And uh, wh- why not, uh, like, uh, it's co- going to be here in, in years to come, Oklahoma, Texas, those, those types of games. We'll I see. think the schedule is really good for this team, and I still contend that fans, even fans that go to the games – would rather see your biggest games at the end of the year as opposed to the beginning. But, but you
3: know, the, you basically just describe – this is a de facto practice, is what you're saying. I mean, it's a, it's like a scrimmage. Let's be real. And this UNLV team come up. It's, it's a, I, I strongly disagree with you, respectfully disagree with you. I think it's and bad then, football. Then. And it's changing next year. And then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because you got USC and Oregon and all these – and UCLA – in uh, Washington amongst the teams. and so that's why I'm glad I want big time games. I think you know you're not going to be able to measure anything, John, when you're playing this level of competition when you're that good. But when you're injured and you want to just get guys in, other you know in a, in a scrimmage like a preseason game in the NFL, fine, then I agree with.
4: You. All right, I will say this about East Carolina as we move to talking about them lost to NC State by one point last year, Uh, beat BYU at BYU, lost by two. That's the best
3: of the three. You're right. You're right.
4: Absolutely. I think they could get a a little bit of a challenge here for a while in this first game, but uh, I will say this, you know, I don't want to dwell too long about the schedule business because uh, we've talked about that, but next year, even though you've got 12 teams in those uh, in the playoff, then the cutoff line, I think, becomes between two and three losses. And are you going to schedule super hard in the non-conference knowing that you may have a conference schedule? You know it will include Ohio State. It could include USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington. I mean – I think you prove what you need to prove within the scope of the Big Ten at this point, and you don't schedule crazy hard outside of the non-conference or outside well, of the conference.
3: Yeah, but you but you and you're not twelve team playoff though, John. And and schedule is going to be an issue. I mean, this hurt. This has hurt teams in the NC two A tournament when you have a cream puff city at the you know in your non-conference play. Tom Izzo works his magic, you know, pixie dust by just playing tough teams. And he's got a reputation. He's always going to be in the tournament. He never get, He's on the bubble. He's in. Why? Because he plays tough teams. And I and I think you just learn so much more about your team. And 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 it's about competition. It's truly about competition. And I'm going to go back to the fans because when those tickets, you know, last year's Michigan-Michigan State game was 175 dollars or whatever it is. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to commit. Like two tickets for 350 face value. You know that, so it, yeah, I know that's the premium game, but still, I mean, that's a very high-level commitment to go to a college football game. It's it's expensive, and I just, if I was a fan uh, in the stands, I wouldn't do it anymore. I just, you know, that's it's it's, it's ridiculous. I'm Unless sure. you get better competition, and they will, so it's all good.
4: It's all good. I think you make a great point there. Uh, we're going to take a real quick break, and then we're going to move ahead to talking about on-the-field football, East Carolina coming up. But uh, first, we want to have a little shout-out to one of our sponsors. Simple question, guys. Is your daughter's engagement ring bigger than that of your wife? If the answer is yes, great news. Lewis Jewelers can help. It's stress-free and easy working with one of their non-commissioned expert trusted advisors finding that perfect diamond. So stop by today, guys, and fix this family issue. Lewis Jewelers, your giant diamond store, and so much more since 1921. Visit them at their new location, 300 South Maple Road, Ann Arbor, or online at lewisjewelers.com. That's L-E-W-I-S-J-E-W-E-L-E-R-S.com. And Tom, when we talk about East Carolina, I mentioned some of the close games that they had last year. You talked about them as the best of the three that Michigan's going to face. You don't really want to be in a situation in this game where you get to midway through the second quarter and it's a, it's a one-touchdown game either way or you know, so there's a blocked punt or a fumble or something that happens in East Carolina – all of a sudden is up by 3 yeah two reasons that does nothing but feed these uh, the hopes and the upset hopes of east carolina mm-hmm. who's thinking hey it happens we've played in the uh, in the same arena as at state at state came up here and did it why not us we're going to and on the michigan sideline you could get a little of that what the heck's going on? We're, we're, we're supposed to be fighting for the national championship here. Yeah. So I, I think it certainly behooves Michigan to jump on this team either way.
3: Uh, no, no question about it. Um, you, you you're exactly right. And, you know, you look at these, well, I'll give you an example at, at week number zero last week, San Jose state goes to the Coliseum and plays USC. Okay. Now, San Jose state's kind of, it's kind of like an East Carolina, you know, it's one of those teams you got to watch out for, you know what I mean? They can, they got uh, uh, you know they're they're out in the West and American Athletic for East Carolina um but um in Mountain West but the thing of it is it's a first half thing a lot of times these group of 5s in game 1 or game 0 last week can hang with them for a while they're only down USC 21-14 at halftime and they because USC's secondary is pretty weak i noticed and, and and but all of a sudden what happens in the second half things unravel that ended up like a fifty-six, twenty-eight, whatever, and so things get, you know, you know, kind of erode away real quick. So I, I do think that that East Carolina could, because I, you know, it's that first game jitters and everything, and you got a lot of, you got some players that are gonna be playing in this game with this injury bug, not a severe injury bug, but they're, you know, I think a Will Johnson is going to be sitting out of this game. He'd be starting against a better team, but he's got some nagging things and. Things that people are working out, including a couple of new wideouts, and so we've talked about that this week. So, um, you know, there's going to be some guys in there that that, um, including Josh Wallace, hasn't been on the field. There's me nerves, and that's what happens and and expectations. So, uh, I, you know, it, it could be a little dicey in the first half, but when push comes to shove, when this, you know, when this offensive, when it, when, the big difference between the group of five and the power five is the interior line of the offensive defense. That's the difference maker. Cause everybody has at least a couple of skilled guys who can make a play, a make an explosive play. And all of a sudden that's what app state did with Michigan. They made these explosive plays and all of a sudden like, wow, everybody starts getting nervous and look what happened. So, um, but I think, I think I got Michigan. I'll give you the heads up. I got Michigan 52 to 10 in this game. I think they're. I think that it, it might, they, might give a score or two, and they, it might be interesting for uh, a quarter, but I think Michigan's easily wrong.
4: Right. Well, i tell you what, there, there's Tom Crawford weighing in on the route early in the week, and I will say this that uh, have both of your starting safeties uh, possibly on the sidelines. Right. That's something to watch right there. We're hearing that Keon Saab is, yeah. uh, you know, a guy that's been stepping up and he may be uh, a person that is going to be able to help you and he's going to be in a starting role in this game I mean talk about something that you'll keep an eye on that would be one right there yeah the secondary you know this is where that
3: front line you know the front seven actually the front seven looks you know between the rotation of the edge rushers that Michigan's going to have that front seven obviously led by Chris Jenkins and um, and Mason Graham up there and, and Jalen Harrell. I mean, I think what the quarterback pressures are going to help Michigan secondary significantly against a team like this. And and uh, yet, you know, you know, turnovers can come into play. Um, I'm not going to wood all over the place about injuries. You know, that scares the hell out of me. I don't want any more of those um, because that happens enough in friendly fire in practice. And it, you don't even have to have a contact injury to do that. But um, the biggest thing I'm interested in is how Michigan approaches offensively in a game like this. Are they going to, you know, just grind this thing out? And you got the two best running backs in the country; they're terrific tandem going at it. Um, Howard Griffith just went on and on against (laughs) Donovan Edwards yesterday. He uh, gave everything but the Heisman Trophy um, on Big Ten Network, and so you're going to see that. And then, uh, what are they going to allow JJ to do? Um, in terms of downhill threat on you know RPO, are they can throw that nugget in there, or are they going to have him throw. You don't want him throw too much, you're gonna get sacked and get hurt. Um, and then those young wide receivers, there's been some injuries there, although it's a deep position. So um I, I'm intrigued as how going to the game on Saturday. Don't get me wrong, John. It's 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 gonna be, I want to see how good Roman Wilson is. There's so many things to look at. So um Despite, you know, this is a sure bet win pretty much for Michigan. It's it's going to be intriguing as hell to go.
4: Yep, no doubt about it. I think you're, there's a lot of things to watch, a lot of things to pay attention to on both sides of the football. Uh, there's a different head coach on the sidelines a lot of intrigue there are new scoreboards to look at and uh yeah are, I'll those tell you gonna what,
3: be functioning, are those functioning or not i mean what is this a is this gonna be a nagging injury something they're working out how's how the kinks are gonna get worked on the scoreboard or
4: do we have to wait for the Scoreboards beat? working through something is what tom crawford is asking. <laughs> yes uh i've heard it both ways and we're i guess i guarantee <laughs> you that uh, if you're one of those workers on those scoreboards You're doing everything in your power, or the people directing them to have them ready, have it go on Saturday. So we're always ready to go on this particular uh, broadcast in part because of our sponsors. We uh, introduced another one next uh, last week. That would be Susie Sermo with uh, Modus Realty. Are you ready to buy a new home if? Uh, This is one of, if not the most expensive purchases you'll ever make. Having a realtor who listens and cares about your needs is crucial. Susie Surma is the right local expert for you. Susie includes a free buyer's guide consultation to uncover your home buying needs, maximizing experience, and efficiency. Email her today at susie at modusre.com, Let's face it, the market has been challenging for buyers. The critical piece you might be missing is having the right agent. Using a realtor that has superior knowledge and negotiation skills is a key to closing on the home of your dreams. Local expert Susie Surma is your answer. Not only does she know the area, she's a fierce negotiator. Why not build equity now? Contact Susie Surma to start your customized home search today. Call Susie at 248-767-5633 or email her, S-U-S-I-E at M-O-T-U-S-R-E dot com. And now we are back, and we are talking Michigan football. And uh, Tom Crawford, I just, uh, as I look at this opening game, I think... About the um, all the the hype, I guess all the the expectation for this season, and I'm just wondering if uh, if Michigan can live up to all of this. Your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I I think they can, and um, you know I had uh, on our. press pass show we had Fox 47 our mutual friend Larry Lage was on the show okay from AP sits in the number one seat there in the press box and you know Larry a long time as a and, and he was talking about the reputation this football team has in the city of Ann Arbor you know mm-hmm. all the merchants all the people that live in the town they say that, that this is the most the nicest I mean just the just respectful. Cordial, solicitous, grounded young men on this football team. This is a high-character football team, and it's also a football team that has great leadership. My God, they got six captains, right? <laughs> Remember, Andy, we were trying to figure out the captains. We're yeah. sitting around the table, and we were figured out they have to have at least ten, right? You know, <laughs> and they could have they had thirty. That's no, the kind of team is This goes beyond when I'm looking at the depth chart. I go, wow! Look at that! Look at those twos! My God, that two, that two was a starter last year, and now he's a two. Or there were some threes that were that were playing a lot of time last year, you know. Um, and 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 it's like, how can this team be this deep? And you know, we're, we're making these statements like, oh, this is the greatest team in my lifetime, great on on paper, mind you. But now, what it has to have happen is they got to get it done. And they gotta and they gotta get you know, they, they just gotta go in they just gotta take over these stadiums. And I'm talking about a couple of occasions, obviously, November 11th and, and Penn State. The Michigan State game could be problematic, um, just be that environment. And and even the Nebraska and, and the Minnesota game, Minnesota game, that, that that could be tough. Um, so you know what? It got they still gotta make it happen, but I've never seen beyond all the film and beyond all the stats. And and when you look at the depth chart of what this accomplishment, it's that character the character kids and you see them every Monday. You're at all the, you're at every presser down there, John. You see more yeah, kids yeah. in front of you than I do, and they're they're all good. They're all like, "Wow, that kid's impressive." Wow, he's you yeah. know he's he's grounded. It's the same thing, and that hasn't always been the case. You know, no, following the program
4: that very very well. Yeah, there's no question about that. And speaking of character and speaking of mutual friends, we have another one who is uh coming on with us in the latter part of this broadcast. Uh, that would be one Barry Gallagher. Do we have Barry ready to join us? There he is. Barry Gallagher, a prolific author of Michigan materials. He's, I think, uh on his 10th book uh, about the Wolverines, about some aspect of Michigan football. Barry, it is great to have you here with us tonight.
2: Well, John, after the ordeals that I had with my computer, I am certainly <laughs> thrilled to be here. Absolutely. I didn't, I could see you guys. I know you're having an energetic conversation about all yeah. the topics that I knew you were going to be talking about. And so I will watch it again later to hear everything that I missed. But I'm just okay. really excited. John, actually, I've written, this is my 10th book. Uh huh. written four books, non-football, education, motivation, and stuff. But this is number five for Michigan football. And I am so excited about this book because, first of all, it's about Michigan football, which is a passion of mine. But it's about somebody that, you know, he's only a few years older than me, but I have admired and watched from a distance the, uh, the career of Lloyd Carr. And I've had the opportunity to meet him a few times. And he's just class. He's always been class. And I've just learned so much about him that, you know, I, ha- I can go back and show you notes that I had from July of uh, 2019 where I first started thinking about this book. I just didn't know if there would be enough there to tell a good story, and boy, was I wrong.
4: Yeah, well, that's great. Tell me, tell me this: What about your interactions with Lloyd in the making of this book? How did uh, how did you uh, interact with him? What what was your experience there? Well, the experience was
2: very convoluted to tell you the truth, because I've never really spoke with Lloyd at length for any time. Just. minute conversations here and there we did get a chance to speak once when he helped us honor a kid that he recruited from romeo high school phil webb who played in uh 84 to 87 uh phil was a great kid and lloyd came to the dinner that night that we had in romeo and he he spoke about phil even though he wasn't his position coach he recruited him yep and I tell you what, everybody in that room knew that Lloyd Carr knew Phil Webb as a player, but more importantly as a person. And that was that was amazing. But uh Rich Hewlett, who wrote a forward to this book, played for, for Lloyd and uh four year letter winner, two letters on offense as a quarterback and two letters yeah. on defense. Not too many guys have done that. Yeah, yeah.
3: He more started life. he started in the seventy nine Michigan Ohio State game, Rich Hewlett.
2: First game he ever started. Yep. yeah well, that's a little bit of pressure, don't you think? Yeah, that was that was yeah. that was a surprise uh, that he that he
3: snuck in there. And that was Wangler and BJ Dickey were in the, I yeah, don't
2: think that, that was, it was a tough game. Cool. Yeah. Tough game. But um well, Rich helped me but, get in touch with Lloyd. And he's the he's the reason this happened. And I also, I drove to Riverview, Michigan last week to find out this, about this special town that Lloyd grew up in and loved so much. I spent some time with a very good friend of Lloyd's. They've known each other over 30 years, um, Jeff Spergalis, who used to coach at Dearborn Fordson, and then he coached later at Riverview, and he helped turn that program around after some hard times, and they've been successful for a long, long, long time, but they hit a hard spot. He got them out of it. Uh, He was just so proud to tell me about the town, about Lloyd, and he took me to the park. There's a park named after Lloyd Carr right across the street from the high school. So Lloyd played ball there as a kid, and uh, Mm -hmm. they renamed it after him. I can't remember the name of the mayor, but when he decided that they needed to name this park after Lloyd Carr, they did not ask for his permission.
4: Mm, yeah,
2: because he probably he was afraid he would say, "Oh no, I don't, I don't need that." You know? Right. So yep. they just said, "We're going to name the park after you, Coach. If you want to come to the ceremony, you're invited." But if the sign's going up, yeah, and it's awesome. So then, last Thursday, I met with Lloyd. It was originally going to be lunch, and I told Rich, I said, "Rich, how is that going to work? I go out to lunch with Lloyd Carr in Ann Arbor." Am I going to get a word in edgewise? You know, how's this going to go? He says, Well, there's some places you can go with with him. And they, they kind of let him have his space. They said, So it, it should be fine. Well, then when he texted me uh, just before we met in the morning, he said, Barry, we're going to meet at the house. So he gave me the address. And up I went and uh, knocked on the door. He was already there, actually. And he had a greeter with him. It was Parker the dog. And uh, so it was me, Lloyd, and Parker the dog for almost two hours. Mm-hmm. And, I, John, I told you on the phone Saturday that this was a dream come true, to tell you the truth. And, again, he's, he's not that much older than me, but, you know, what he's accomplished is just amazing. To have that time with him right there, he didn't have a cell phone. He didn't have any, any devices He was 100 percent in the moment speaking with me. And like I told you, he's he's a wonderful person to talk with because he makes you feel important and valued. But he's not a great person to interview because he totally flipped things on me. I would ask him a question. And then he would say, well, Barry, where did you go to high school? And then we just got to talking, and for it was like tennis. I, I'd hit him with something, yeah. and then yeah. he'd it back to me, and we yeah. went back and forth like that for almost two hours. And mm. I came away knowing him because I've read everything that's written about him. I've watched videos. I, I I know Lloyd Carr on paper pretty well. I know his record. I know what he did at Michigan, but just talking with him, mano a mano was just a whole nother level of of uh, communication and
4: understanding of what made that guy tick. Yeah. And w- we will be very interested to see how that translates into your book. I know for a fact that he doesn't necessarily like the spotlight turned on him because I wrote a big uh, feature story for the Wolverine one time on Lloyd Carr entitled The Gentleman General, and the next time I met him in his office, he Points a finger at me and gets that stern look on his face and says, "You don't listen very well because he didn't want, <laughs> he didn't want a, a story on him done." But uh, maybe the most poignant interaction I ever had with Lloyd. And I, there were some fiery ones and there were some, but yeah. we were sitting in a tunnel at Michigan Stadium that he'd agreed to sit down and talk about different great teams of his. He was talking about the two thousand sixteen and how that could have easily been, just like the '97 and Absolutely. how close it came. And he sat there and his eyes welled up with tears because he hurt so badly that they got that close in 2006 and uh, and couldn't quite finish the job. But, uh, you know, it, it, it is um, – uh, it's an experience to talk with him. Uh, Tom, I'm sure you've had a, a couple of experiences yeah. with Lloyd yourself.
3: Yeah. You know, it's like the first big 10 media days, you know, we did the round tables. This was in Chicago at, at, uh, the the old Conrad Hilton, you know, you got the little tables in your, um, and, and I was I, I admittedly I was a little bit nervous because I had never done that. I had been away from this media thing. I got Lloyd Carr literally one-on-one. And, and it, 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 it's just like Barry talking about, he started asking questions about me I got, you know, I was like, you know this is awkward here um you know cuz he you know, <laughs> I, I, I something. it's really good and that's an art to do that's a that's right out of a Dale Carnegie seminar you know what i mean yeah. you put it on the other person but i think i you know I, I think what this young this man uh has gone through he's lost his grandson to tragedy and, and lost his grandson uh, to yeah. cancer and then he's lost his wife and he's he's so giving when it comes to the my children's hospital and all those things and yet we saw like John talked about I mean, I was I was a victim of one of those stairs when we were doing those press conferences over there at Chrysler in the room closet, just asking him about Michigan State. You know, it's like glaring um, <laughs> at you. I, I got that part, and he was tough to coach for. He's very demanding on his coaching staff. However, it's like Barry said, deep down, I mean, this is a genuinely great man, and uh, I think he's very caring. And you talk about a player's coach. You know, remember at that Michigan State game, the 2001, they deserved better. I mean, he's yep. talking from a player, from his player's perspective, not his own perspective. That's a winning formula, in my book.
4: Yeah, no doubt about it. So, Barry Gallagher, why this book now? And in this process of putting it together, do you feel like maybe Lloyd Carr was underappreciated at Michigan?
2: I do. I absolutely do think he was unappreciated. The reason it's why now is because of that exact reason. I don't think anybody understands the level of accomplishment that he had, not just as a head coach, but as an assistant to Bo for 10 and Mo for 5. 28 years on the sidelines in Ann Arbor. Only one man, well, two men. Cliff Keene was an assistant. For thirty-three years and and a, and a hell of a wrestling coach, and then uh Benny, thirty-one years, mm-hmm. but only ten as a head coach. So it's it's time. In fact, Rich I had Rich Hewlett in an email as soon as I said a book about Lloyd Carr. He was boom, he was on the road, he's traveling, he goes all over the country, he's a great lawyer. Boom. He was he was on the phone that night. He said, Barry. This is going to be something (laughs) because he knows I've written other books. He's helped me with a couple things, and he just said, "This, it's time." I said, "Oh, it's past time." (laughs) So, it's it's just been fun doing the research, and you know, you know, John. I like to do the numbers. I like to dig a little deeper and and see things that other people maybe haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. Coach Carr. He was intrigued by my military career and I did not know this. He spent two years in ROTC at the University of Missouri. Yeah. Before he transferred <laughs> to Northern. Yeah. Yeah. And then he told me that he was in his ROTC classroom on the Friday that John F. Kennedy was shot. Mm. And he said it was unbelievable.
4: Yeah. And so I'm sure.
2: We had some, you know, we just kept going. There were so many things that we just touched base on this and that and the other thing, but it's just because the book needs to get out because his record stands for itself, and his biggest critics mostly are people who have never coached anything or led an organization and tried to do really, really hard stuff.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Good. Tell tell the folks uh, where – and when they can uh, actually get this book of yours, Uh, those who want to dig a little deeper into uh, the career and uh, the the thoughts of Lloyd Carr at this point. Well, the book is sitting in my computer, which I'm viewing
2: on right now, and it is 99.9% I was waiting for one thing from the Bentley Historical Library this afternoon for permissions on a couple of pictures I wanted to use that weren't part of the the vast collection that Bob Kalmbach and Sarah Stillman left, which everyone can use those pictures which was with just minimal permission uh, arrangements. Mm-hmm. But there are a couple of pictures. Staff in 1980 is a classic. And then his picture with the 1997 championship team, uh, the the season picture before they started on their mountain climbing journey. Very good. uh, Those are two pictures I'm just not certain about. If I don't find out by tonight, I'm going to just pull them out. I have a couple other pictures I can use. Not as good, but still they'll help tell the story. And uh, when I punch the button, it's going to be on Amazon. Uh, Kindle, people can download on Kindle, like, you know, instantly almost. Right. And it'll take it'll take a couple of days to get the book, uh, the paperback, in the mail. It's gonna be um, in the Mden hopefully within a week. Scott Scott wants it yesterday, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna get it over there as fast as we can. So those are the three primary ways that people will be able to get the book: um, Kindle,
4: Amazon, print copies, and and of course the Mden. All right. Very good. Well, uh, we will keep an eye out for that book and uh, delve more into uh, the uh, the life and times of Lloyd Carr. We're going to close this thing out by getting, as our weekly habit is, Tom's take on uh, on some aspect of Michigan athletics. Tom, what well, do you have for? Us? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just
3: gonna double down. Yeah, I, I probably uh, seep this out uh, through the through our videos uh, leading up in the offseason I'm going to make as, as we're run the season on the brink here I'm going to make a two thing a, a two prediction element here twofold one Michigan's going to win the national championship okay I'm I'm locking in on that and JJ McCarthy will win the Heisman trophy okay so those two things going to happen in my in my prediction you know estimation that's what I think is going to happen.
4: All right, wow. then. no better time to say that than uh, the first week. Got to do it uh, at the start, right? I can't do it. I can't do it.
3: once a season, then it's, it's a, you know, it can't. It's like betting on a game. In, there you it, go. I'm going to bet before the game. I'm betting before the season start. JJ McCarthy be- is going to is going to wow the hell out of. it. They'll, you know, I mean, I mean, the, the kid out in USC is pretty good. He's a, you know, he's he's trying to win it two times in a row, but. Um, you watch, he's going to, he's the guy, I mean, there's Blake Corum, obviously Donovan Edwards. Those are two viable candidates, but it's, but if JJ is going to win it. The, and there, uh, there might be two candidates from Michigan in there. Um, and that's possible. There could be, there yeah. might be five guys in there and two of them from Michigan.
4: Mark it down. You heard it here first. Tom Crawford has Michigan <laughs> winning the national championship. JJ yeah. McCarthy yeah. Heisman trophy. There you are. Fantastic job, Tom. Thanks very much to our special guest, Barry Gallagher for being here and uh, talking about his new book on Lloyd Carr, soon to be out on Amazon and several other venues. Look for that. Thanks guys. And we will uh, do
0: this all again next week. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament, whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit
1: FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. tennessee virginia and vermont call one 800 NextStep or text next step to 53342 in arizona 1-8- 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in connecticut 1-800-9 with it in indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ks gambling Help